Eye to Eye Sports. This is Dorm Room Sports Talk. What is up, ladies and gentlemen, Eye to Eye Sports? This is another episode, episode six of Dorm Room Sports Talk. We got some good ones on the board. We're even approaching the NASCAR championship race that... Uh, we have a special interview with Stephen Landry, NASCAR analyst. But I'm going to bring it over to Tristan to tell you what's on the board for tonight. All right, this week we're going to be talking in the NBA. We're going to be talking Nuggets. Uh, they look, they got a good young core. How far can they go? What is their ceiling? Also, the Celtics are, as it was put in the plan, hot fire. Got to talk about that. Fire. Uh, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins joined up last year year are they a success what do the pelicans need to be even better also donovan mitchell is a low-key beast for the jazz uh galen's gonna give us his thoughts on the mlb player awards uh and as johnny mentioned we have a nascar interview with nascar analyst steven landry and to the nfl the chiefs are now six and four back right where they belong uh and big ben has been balling lately how long can he keep this up and the Cowboys really need to reassess their situation because they had a terrible night against the Eagles. Also, Nathan Peterman experiment did not go as planned uh, for the Bills, so Tyrod should be making his return. Um, so, guys, we're going to start off with the uh, MLB Player Awards. Um, AL MVP, Jose Altuve, NL MVP Stanton, Cy Young Award winners Kluber for the Indians, Scherzer for the Nationals, and of course Aaron Judge, Rookie of the Year in the AL, and Cody Bellinger Love in that the man. NL. Cody Bellinger, Bellinger, I like the guy. I think he's going to be really good. Galen, give us your thoughts on this, especially the MVPs, you know, uh, and, AL, and Rookie of the Year. Judge is huge, mm-hmm. and he's a beast. Altuve's tiny, he's a beast. So what does size even matter? Um, I don't think it does really. It's uh, actually an interesting stat. Stanton is the first MLB player to be the tallest of all MVPs. He stands at uh, 6'6". And Jose Altuve is actually the third sh- or um, one of the three shortest MVPs along with Phil Rizzuto, or Rizzuto, excuse me, in 1950 and Bobby Chance in 1952. So yeah, I feel like um, you don't always have to be super strong or super tall to be a great ball player. Like it all just has to do with um, how you approach the game, like when it comes to hitting, fielding, all that jazz. Yeah, well, I really think um, McCann, like Altuve has sound mechanics and that's um, the reason for his success, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but talk to, talk to me about uh, Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers. Uh, he struggled greatly in, in the playoffs, um, mm-hmm. especially the World Series. Um, so what, do you expect Bellinger to have a similar season? What do you expect for Bellinger going forward in the future? I feel like he's still going to build off of that regular season success. He definitely uh, had a strong performance during um, that period of time. And with the Playoffs, I feel like it's just all bad experience, and given how this was his first full year in the big leagues, he's still getting his feet wet, wet in the playoffs. And um, having said that, I, I think he's going to have a bounce back in the postseason if the Dodgers make it. Yeah, def- definitely hoping um, he does better. Um, I want to talk to you about the Cy Young Award mm-hmm. winners and big-time pitchers in the regular season and when it comes to the postseason because um, – it seems like, I mean, Chris Sale was dominant regular season. 
kind of faded in the second half, wasn't as good in the playoffs. Um, Scherzer was kind of the same way for the Nationals. Maybe give me your thoughts on how why starting pitchers are so good in the regular season, but just when it comes to the playoffs, they don't perform at that same level. Um, I feel like it's just because the MLB season or Major League Baseball is such a long regular season. They always pitch every five days and stuff like that. So I feel like fatigue definitely plays a factor. And then also um, overall experience in the postseason. Like when you look at guys like Corey Kluber and Max Scherzer, they have tons of experience. Um, pitching in the playoffs, whereas with Chris Sale, this was only his um, first p- postseason experience or appearance, rather, and stuff like that. So I feel like um, same case, like just like Bellinger, I feel like over time um, Chris Sale is going to be better in the postseason. And um, this year I feel like this is just kind of a learning curve for him. And, um, yeah, I feel like over time he's going to get better. I got a quick question for you, Galen. Mm-hmm. Clayton Kershaw, a lot of people think he's the best pitcher of our generation. Hasn't won a Cy Young since 2014. Max Scherzer's won two since mm-hmm. then. Is he a better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw? Hmm, that's a very interesting question. I'd say that Max Scherzer is a better pitcher overall than Clayton Kershaw. Not just um, in the regular season, but also in the postseason. Because when we see... When we uh, watch Clayton Kershaw pitch, he's kind of like the David Price of the NL, if you will. He's spectacular in the regular season, but in the postseason, he's not as dominant. And um, I don't want to pitch it for my team. Yeah, exactly. I feel like maybe it has to do with um, nerves. Maybe nerves um, can play a factor. And um, Scherzer, he's been there before many times and stuff like that. So, yeah, to me, it's um, Max Scherzer. He's a clear winner in the NL. Yeah, no disrespect there, Galen, but I think that was perhaps the dumbest take I've ever heard in regards to NL oh pitching. Wow. Clayton Kershaw is an absolute animal here. Let me I'm just <laughs> pulling it up now. How could it be the dumbest take when the guy's got two Cy Youngs <laughs> in the last two years? He he Clayton Kershaw has a two point three six ERA career. In 2016, he went under two with an ERA, albeit he was injured for a little while. And this year, no doubt in my mind, if he's healthy all the way through the year, he's winning this Cy Young. Scherzer's good, but he's just not Kershaw good. Kershaw, again, he has pitched uh, with Cy Youngs under two three times. He has 1.83, 1.77, and what? Excuse me, 1.69. Can I hear his playoff numbers? Okay, playoffs yeah, gonna, has nothing to do say. with Cy Young. Okay, oh, yeah. playoffs are one like one month, and but we're the whole asking who's the better pitcher. Like all right, how, how have the Nationals regular. done in the postseason, all right? I mean, like, Scherzer's been That's great, but he point. hasn't won any series for Washington. I don't think they've ever made it out of the division I'm series. just saying, over the course of his career, Kershaw is probably a better pitcher. Mm-hmm. But right now, Max Scherzer, back-to-back Cy Young Award winner, right now, you want Max Scherzer or Clayton Kershaw? Absolutely, Clayton Kershaw, no doubt in my mind. Wow. Again, if he's not hurt this year, he is the best pitcher in the league. And if he's not hurt the year before, he's the best pitcher in the league. Uh, it's really circumstantial. And if Claire, excuse me, God, get really <laughs> passionate about this. If Clayton Kershaw is healthy next year, I guarantee you he will be the best pitcher in the league. No, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong answer between Kershaw and Scherzer. I just think it's interesting that Kershaw hasn't won a Cy Young in three seasons. I well, think it's, inter- I think it's uh, interesting he's been injured for those two seasons. I think it's easier to give it to Max Scherzer the last two seasons, especially because although the Nationals have also been really, really good, the Dodgers have been even better. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that does play a factor in who gets the Cy Young um, because Scherzer has to be, I guess, a little bit more special 
for his team rather than Clayton Kershaw with their dominant team that they have. And he can also do so much as well because, um, as we say, the Nationals tend to underperform in the playoffs. Like, just lucky like um, Dusty Baker um, was relieved of his duties after um, their early postseason exit. But, um, yeah, Max Scherzer, he always gives them every chance to win in the game, stuff like that. But it's um, when it comes to the Nationals, it's down to the offense. Or uh, it has to have a uh, team effort in order to win. I got a question uh, about Jose Altuve. He had 36 home runs in his first five seasons. In Is the last he on two roids? years, he's at 24 each. I don't think he's on roids because he hasn't gotten bigger at all. Are the balls juiced is my question. No doubt in my I mind. Think so, yeah. I think the balls are completely juiced, and I'm all for it. There were more home runs this year than in the steroid years. I love watching home runs, and if a guy that's five yeah, foot six, 160 pounds can hit 24 home runs, then whatever. Also, I'll watch you, it. I'm you're, all, you're all using the same balls. It's not like the steroid era where some guys were on juice and some guys weren't. Mm-hmm. Everyone's hitting the same balls. There's no competitive advantage. I want to add this year they did move in the fences at Minute Maid Park, so that makes a difference on the home run total. Yeah, they uh, got rid of that uh, island thing. I love that hill. Field. That, that, hill. <laughs> that is the dumbest thing. I hate that hill. It's a lot of injury Absolutely uh, potential there. Yeah. All right, so that that's wrapping up the uh, MLB Good Player stuff. Awards. Good, Good stuff, stuff, guys. Boys. All right, let's move to the NBA. So the Denver Nuggets are currently in the playoffs right now in the West. Um, if <laughs> Obviously still early in the season. Uh, but I, I th- think that the Nuggets, they have – a good building block. They have good building blocks. They have good pieces to potentially in the next few years become a legitimate contender. Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. They just got Paul Millsap this year, who's a beast. Uh, are the when do you think the Nuggets are will be contenders, or do you think they will ever be contenders? With um, the roster they have now. Well, this year they're seven and two at home. Like you said, Gary Harris, Jokic, Millsap, Moutier, They're all you know. They're all contributing night in, night out, all averaging between 16 and 12 points a night. Uh, Mike Malone, who's the head coach, was an assistant with the Warriors from 2011 to 2013, and the Cavs from 2005 to 2010, so he has experience with winning. Uh, That being said, I don't think they're going to be a contender this year. They got off to a really hot start. They have a really good young core. I think Paul Millsap's a good veteran leader to have on that team. Um, But, yeah, I think the West is just too tough. I think the Thunder are going to figure their things out. They might be the eighth seed. uh, Who knows? But knowing that, they probably – won't do much damage. No, they're going to be higher than the eighth seed. I would give them the sixth seed. Let's just take a minute. Nikola Jokic, the guy looks like he's 40. He's 22 years old. <laughs> okay, he's a walking triple-double. He's got handles like Embiid. He can pass he's like Rondo. He's not a walking triple-double. Yes, he is. He's a, yes. great, he's a great passer. Yes, he is. He's a great passer. Go look at it. He's he, a walking he, double-double. He's a walking double-double. He's a great passer, but he's not a walking triple-double. The guy averages five assists. That's great. That's halfway to a triple Okay, so he, he already has a triple double this year. Okay, wow, the guy's one? gonna give Lonzo you assists. Lonzo Lonzo he's gonna give you. Lonzo. That's like a he's, saying he's a player way, hitting two forty is way way halfway to the triple ball. Crown. He's way better than Lonzo Ball. <laughs> he can shoot the three ball. He's shooting at forty percent. Shooting fifty from the field. Grabs 11, 11.2 rebounds a game. The guy's an animal. And I also really liked when they picked Jamal Murray last year. I think Jamal Murray is the best shooter out of that draft class. And I think. With a guy like Gary Harris, a guy like Wilson Chandler, you bring in Richard Jefferson. All these guys can shoot. This is a shooting team. Millsap can spread the floor. All five guys can consistently hit threes. I think they're going to be a sixth seed. Um, the one guy I don't really like on that team right now, I, don't th- I, I, I think he's a better fit on another team, is Kenneth Freed. 
I think the guy's an animal, but he doesn't play enough on this team, and, and I don't know how much the guy likes the culture here. So I, that's just me. He just doesn't fit right now, but, you know, he, he's... Yeah, I'd say this team's a good couple of years away from being at the top of the division. Um, I, I think they're a good point guard away from being a really uh, a real contender. They tried to trade for Kyrie, but they didn't want to give up Jamal Murray and, and disrupt that core. They did try and trade Moutier in a first-round pick for Bledsoe, which I think would have been a huge help to them. But, I, again, still with the Western Conference the way it is right now and with the lack of depth they have at the point guard position, I don't think they're going to do anything in the playoffs this year. I think they'll make it, though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The Nuggets are a few years away from being a few years away. This team is not going to contend anytime soon, especially in the West. But I want to point out how big the experienced veteran presence of Paul Millsap and Richard Jefferson has been. Millsap, Millsap is averaging 15 points a game, but veteran leadership matters a lot with young players. I mean, the guy's still an all-star. I, he, he's, a, he's a polished player, yeah, Millsap, veteran. But... Let's not forget Millsap's still a baller. Yeah, I mean, the, great, the guy is, can leader. really still play. I, I yeah. agree, but you need veteran leadership on young teams. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. So the, the Nuggets, they have a young, like we've been talking about, they have a good young core, but at some point if you want to contend, you need a, like a star. You need a star. So do you think one of their potential draft, like a Jamal Murray, will become that star, or do you think they'll have to go get one from somewhere else? I think Moutier has the highest ceiling out of all of them, just in my personal opinion. Moutier can't play. shoot. Moutier can't shoot. He can do a lot of things, but he can't shoot. Moutier reminds me of D-Wade, almost. I'm not comparing him to D-Wade. I'm not saying he's as good as D-Wade, but he plays very similar to a young D-Wade. I think, personally, he has the highest ceiling, but only time will tell. I agree with Nick. I think that Moutier uh, is a very promising young player. But That's, this is ridiculous. Moutier? What are you talking about? It's, it's clearly Jamal it's Murray. Clearly, yeah, it's I, I, it's I think it's clearly Jokic. Jamal Murray. I think it's Jokic. Well, well Jokic, Jokic, Jokic is already there. Yeah, exactly. But it's clearly Jamal Murray. The guy, the question coming out of the draft is, is he a point guard? Or is he a shooting no, guard? he's a shooting guard. That's but easy. he's playing point guard, and they're giving him... That that ball to just kind of facilitate. He's shooting twenty eight percent from the field right now yeah. this year, but he's not having a great year so far. Whether these guys started can become off a star is is somewhat irrelevant because in the West, no matter how good Murray ends up being, he's not going to be as good as Steph, Kevin Durant, as good as Russell Westbrook. This team is not going to the finals for a long time. LeBron might go to the West soon. That's not oh, happening. God. Come on. I can see that happening. I, I mean, guys enter their really. primes when they're like 27, so Jokic is a long way to go. We got The Southern's got Kyrie with the with the thought that he could get better than where he is right now. 25-year-old Kyrie, when he's 28, could he be even better. So Jokic being at this star level right now in six years, look where he's at again. He could be next KG. Very true. I just Possible. don't think there's enough there to bring them to a championship or the finals. Well, not right now, but they would need to get other pieces. I mean, what did the Southern's look like six years ago? Kelly Olenek. No. Yeah, like teams, I think we still had teams change, but I think that <laughs> I think we still had the big three. They have a ago? stronger young core, and they're already of players that are already good, so that they can lead them places down the road. All right. So uh, speaking of KG and the Celtics, um, the Celtics are smoking hot right now. Uh, beat the Warriors. Um, beat the Hawks. They're on a huge winning streak. Although Brad Stevens thinks it's invalid because they really haven't been playing that well on offense. What do you guys think about the streak? Uh, that's just Brad Stevens being Brad Stevens, trying to keep it humble. But the Celtics, there's no denying that they're legit right now. I mean, if you win 15 against anyone, it's impressive. But they've beaten the Warriors. They've beaten the Sixers. They've beaten the Bucks. They've done really well. Um, 
Just quick little stat I got to throw out here. 15 consecutive win teams within the first 17 games of the season. Obviously a little bit niche. But of those teams, uh, there have been four others that have done it. Each team has made the finals, and two of them have won. So I think that the Celtics don't, don't quite pencil them in, but I think that they've definitely got the Eastern Conference finals. And um, depending on, you know, if LeBron's on his game, if the Celtics shoot well, if they play good defense, I think that the finals is definitely a realistic expectation. I think the big thing about the Celtics is we knew Kyrie was going to be good. We knew Al Horford was going to be good. It's everyone on this team plays their role. Brad Stevens gets guys to do things that no other coach can do. Shane Larkin was on a bus to – not a bus. He can't take a bus to China. On a plane to China. He's <laughs> on a plane to China. and then Brad swimming. Yeah. Brad Stevens gives him a call. He's an energy guy off the bench. Marcus Morris saved the game against the Hawks. He put up 14 in the second quarter when the Celtics had nothing. Marcus Smart is a beast on defense, and Aaron Baines can rebound. Every single player on the Celtics does their job to take a line from Bill Belichick, and that's why the Celtics are successful. Um, I got to agree with Brad Stevens here and say that they're not playing great. They're just finding ways to win. Um, they're that, not looking. That's what basketball is. I know, but like I mean, they're not looking like the Warriors like a couple years ago that would just destroy every team. I mean, they're not, no, they're but not they, coming out and killing teams. That team didn't win the finals, though. So I think that the Celtics team too often is down at halftime, and then Brad Stevens works his magic and finds a way to win the game. In the last seven games, they've won four of them by four points or less, and they're losing. They're beating the the Nets by seven points and the Warriors by four points. So they're finding ways to beat these teams, but there's some inconsistency with so there's some teams they they should be crushing as opposed to these teams they're beating. I think that a lot of the I think they're a great team, but I don't I don't view them as a powerhouse. Uh going back to the streak, I'm really impressed by the streak, but I want to go into can they beat the Cavs? And I think they will beat the Cavs. I think they're bound to beat the Cavs because the Cavs aren't playing defense. The difference between the Cavs and the Celtics is everybody is locked in on defense on the, on, on the squad. When you look at the Cavs, Dwayne Wade, nowhere to be found on defense. J.R. Smith, that best perimeter defender that Stephen A. always calls him, nowhere to be found this year. Shumpert, the best def- defender on that team, nowhere to be found. I think the Celtics are going to keep winning. Um, the schedule gets easier. I mean, Magic, uh, uh, Suns, Mavericks. Their schedule is also pretty can I just, Did you just say that Shumpert's a better defender than LeBron? No, no. You I said, said Shumpert's the best defender on that team. Well, he is. Shumpert's a better <laughs> defender than LeBron, is what you're saying. It's a stretch, I think. Absolutely not. Careful, Johnny. No. <laughs> Absolutely you got me, not. You got me there. You got right. I, 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 Sh- Shumpert's one of a better, a better yes. defender. Yeah, he's a good one of the best defender. defenders in the league. Let's get back to them beating the Cavs. I'm a huge Celtics fan. Thinks the Celtics team is as good as it's been since that 2008-2010 teams that went to the finals. The Celtics are not beating LeBron four times in a week and a half. No. It, I, don't, I don't think it's so either. Too, it's too difficult My mind to has been switched because, you know, I thought I – thought LeBron was going to take him down, but to me, this Celtics team just looks too locked in. There's uh, just something about them. I mean, I love Marcus Smart. By the way. eye test, get out, get out. I love I, Marcus Smart. I, I love Marcus Stan. Smart. He fu- Brad Stevens on it. He said he's a guy that figures out ways to win. He's just like a pit bull. Like he's he didn't a, score a point against the Warriors. But seven rebounds, God. three assists, two steals. I, I think Tristan has an aneurysm every please, time he hears Marcus please. Smart's name. I love Marcus, Marcus Smart. Okay, Can't Marcus score. Smart drives me absolutely insane because he's like the perfect guy you want in at the end of the game, but he may single-handedly lose you a game by himself because he actually thinks he can score the basketball, which he can't 
do. The guy should not be taking more than five shots per game, and they better be fast break layups. He's the worst shooter in the league. The only thing that makes him a good player is his defense and hustle, and that's what you need, and he plays his role well, except sometimes I freak out when he's out there dribbling and Kyrie Irving is on the court with him, and he thinks he can run the offense. It drives me absolutely insane. However, you do, you do need a guy like him on the floor. You need yes, at the end of the a game. Stark yeah. contrast. I just want to add when Smart was on the floor, the Warriors defensive um, offensive rating was like 70. When he was off the floor, it was in the 90s. Marcus Smart is a t- player you need on your team. Yeah. Sadly, going back to going back to, to Dylan's point about Shumpert, Shumpert just plays his maximum defense more than LeBron. I still disagree. Uh, I'm okay. That, okay, you can you can say that, but LeBron half effort is still oh, better yeah. than Schumper no, full effort. All right. Speaking of speaking of LeBron, um, I saw this stat. Um, Brad Stevens in his in managing his minutes has been really really good um, in terms of that for this team. No one is playing an incredible amount of minutes, which means he's getting great production out of his bench. Unlike the Cavs, where LeBron has to play nearly 40 minutes every game, I think he leads the league in minutes played. So, I think that that is something that we have to look at, um, is the overusage of LeBron, and could that slow him down near the end of the year? Because right now, no one on the Celtics is playing close to 40 minutes. I, I think it could tire him out at the end of the year. I th- I also think so. Excuse me. I also think it makes him a little bit more prone to injury. Um, yeah. Just the. I mean, pure, he's Superman, but. I mean, yeah, but just the pure wear and tear on anybody running and sprinting. Although, as we just said, LeBron doesn't always give a hundred percent. Like yeah. Uh, the wear and tear. I have a feeling we'll get to him, and he might end up missing a few games probably in, like, February or March. It wears on you when you play into June for something like seven straight years. His offseason is shorter than everybody else's, and that wears on a player. I think that Isaiah Thomas is going to come back and show everyone that he is good because everyone is sleeping. <laughs> that he is – that was, the hype was something, and then it's just that like, he is look, look. Every, like, I, I don't think that Isaiah is going to be as good as he was last year. I, I thought that beginning of the season, but lo- looking at this injury that's still lingering, um, this seems like a lot more than he's making it out to be. And so I think that Isaiah is going to impact this team. I think he's going to be good. Um, I think he's going to definitely help LeBron out, uh, take the load off. I don't think I, I wanted to say great and like amazing, but I don't think he's going to reach that again. I think he's going to be good. He but scares I, he's me. He's definitely a factor. He scares me. I don't want to see Isaiah come to the Garden in the playoffs. If if LeBron has an off night, Isaiah can definitely pick him up. I think. All right, guys. Uh, real quickly, I just go want to go around real quick. So the Pelicans, they got Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins last year. Um, two big-headed monsters. Um, has it been a success? Uh, what do the Pelicans need to do to be better? I'm going to say this real quick. I've been on the Pelicans bandwagon ever since they got Cousins. Cousins has been outplaying Anthony Davis this year, averaging 27, 13, and 5. He's actually averaging more assists than Kyrie. Uh, he's averaging seven three-pointers a game, which really stretches out the offense. According to NBA.com, he's driving more than Kyrie, Steph Durant, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, and C.J. C. McCollum. So he's just an overall – he looks leaner. He looks more athletic. And I think the, the Pelicans are for real when you have the two – top three big men on the same team. No, yeah, this team's looking good, and they get Rondo. Uh, Rondo is on a – he can play less than ten minutes a game right now. So he, he he played like eight minutes his first game back and then nine the next game. So once they have Rondo, they got Drew Holiday, they got the two big men. It's going to be a good team. It's a very good defensive team. 
What are you talking about? They're 27th worst in defense. Well, when Rondo gets up, back. They gave up 27th in the league. Yeah, 110 points a night. They're 27th in the league, and yet that's a good defense. They no, gave up I, I 146 points once, to Denver. Once Rondo gets 146. back. 146. Rondo makes a huge difference in terms of de- on-ball defense with point guards and shooting guards. When he's out. trying. When he's trying. If you really think Rondo can save 46 points. All I'm saying is Tony Allen needs more minutes on that team. He's still a beast defensively. And the Pelicans, don't listen to what Heilman says, the Pelicans are bad at defense. (laughs) (laughs) I love Rondo, but I don't know if he can save this team. I don't think that – I never thought the dynamic would work. I don't think that just relying solely on your two bigs to get all the points. I don't think that works. I think you need talented – Right, but when Rondo comes back, now you have three scores – I don't. I would. Now Rondo you have not Rondo, 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 Rondo. Exactly. Exactly. Scoring. Holiday. If, and then the two other guys. I, I agree with Dylan, especially in today's NBA fast pace. You need something more than two big men. You need a guard or someone who can shoot it lights out. I love Rondo, but they're they, they're still a piece away. They still need someone else out there to put up points and be a uh, uh, bigger than than this Cousins and, and Davis. They definitely need someone on the perimeter. To make them uh, legitimate. All right, guys, let's move to the NFL. Um, so, <clears throat> Alex Smith <clears throat> and the Chiefs just lost to the Giants, who are awful. Uh, in a playoff run, you can't be losing to these kinds of teams. Uh, so, where do the Chiefs go? I think they're going to win the division because their division is trash. Um, but what, what should the Chiefs expect? Uh, okay, I know I'm going to get a lot of heat for Alex Smith and his performance yesterday, but that is his first bad game of the year. Let's give him a Not break. Not true. Uh, that is they've true. They've lost four in a row. Against, okay, against they the, also, against they the also have the 28th worst defense the in the league. They have the, tw- they have the 28th ranked defense. Parkus Peters has been terrible this year. He's been really disappointing. Eric Berry. They really miss game. Eric Berry. Yeah. And it's just, sure. yes, Alex Smith played terrible yesterday. I'll admit it. But let's not put it all on his shoulders. This is still a playoff team. This is a team that I'm gonna, I'm he's, gonna still go bold second, here. he's still second in the league in quarterback rating. I'm going to go bold here, okay? Mark my words. The Chiefs will continue to lose, and the Chargers will make the playoffs and win that division. That's, that's a, all I have to that's say. That's a hot take. That's a screaming that's, hot that's take. That's aggressive, that is, but I see, I see I like, where he's coming from. very aggressive. Well, look at the, if you look at the Chiefs' schedule, I think the Chargers are going to outplay them, and they're going to be the team from the AFC West. What, right. what does Dylan always say about Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers will lead you all the way to losing by one point. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> I just it just it happens too often. All right, let's <laughs> let's get back to the Chiefs here. Alex Smith is a game manager, and he's probably a little bit worse than that. He's been bad. He had 250 yards this week against the Cowboys. He had would have had under 200 yards if it wasn't for that stupid little Tyreek Hill just run through everybody play. They're Chiefs offense consists of throw the ball to Tyree Kill and let's see what he can do. That's part on Andy Reid, but also Kareem Hunt has hit the rookie wall. He's been bad the last couple of weeks, hasn't had a 100-yard game since week five. The Chiefs are in serious trouble. I would say, I would say they're definitely, definitely in trouble. They've lost, what, four straight? Four straight, four and straight. it's going to continue. It's going to continue. I, the only thing that I... I feel like is going to save them is that they are not in a good, di- not in a good division. They Alex, have not Alex lost Smith will four save straight. Them. They Alex lost Smith. two straight. <laughs> yeah, How can you even say that? Two Alex straight? Smith will yeah. save them. You said four. The Chargers, the Chargers play four of five of the worst defenses. They play the Cowboys without Sean Lee. That defense is terrible. We've seen it two weeks in a row. Thanksgiving Day. The Browns, they play the Redskins, 
who just absolutely fell apart. Then they play the Raiders the final week, and they'll play the Chiefs at Kansas City. Chargers are going there. Chargers are going there. Arrowhead is yeah, always very difficult. Don't, don't for underestimate people. Arrowhead. Don't I, underestimate that home field advantage. That's why if they that's do, gonna be a good game. Don't underestimate do, Alex Smith. Also, the Redskins can you, be a you flip should, of a coin you sometimes. Absolutely underestimate Alex Alex Smith. The guy is not good. <laughs> He's not good. He's top five in the league in passing yards and second in the league in QBR. How is that not good? Since, what more do you want? All right, since the opening, I want him to lead a team to opening victory. Co- I want him to carry a team. Well, since the opening couple we'll of games, he's been bad. Even you can been admit bad. that. No, he hasn't been bad. He had under 250 yards. The guy threw two picks yesterday. Okay, yeah, I admit it. Yesterday they he was scored, terrible. They scored nine points against the Giants. Other than yesterday, he's thrown one interception this season. The Giants. Against the Broncos, okay. he had 200 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, completion percentage rating of 45. Who was that, that against? That, that, that's not Broncos. a good look that for Nick. That defense is terrible this year. Who was that against? Year. The Broncos. Did they win that game? I don't believe they did. Against Denver. The Rams? Yeah, I think the, the Chiefs beat Denver. Yeah. The Rams so and the Eagles scored <laughs> like 100 not of points. Alex Smith. <laughs> the Rams and the Eagles scored like 100 points on the Giants defense. Your MVP, Alex Smith, scored 9 points. He's not my MVP anymore, but I, I love Alex Smith. Can I get, can I get your new MVP? Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. We got to move on on that dumb note. All right. So, (laughs) speaking of Carson Wentz, uh, Wentz and the Eagles absolutely demolished the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, uh, showing that the Cowboys are in big trouble without Tyron Smith and Ezekiel. Elliot, but it also shows that, yeah, the Eagles are still dominant, and people should actually take them seriously by now if you haven't already. Uh, so Cowboys, are their playoff hopes dashed, I think so. Also, what is the, do, the Eagles, how, do the Eagles lose again this season, or do they go all the way to the Super Bowl untouched with one loss? I don't, the, the, the Dallas one doesn't impress me a ton just because I think Dak Prescott is not good. I think that he's been working off of the great offensive line they had and Ezekiel Elliott be always being a threat. And I, I love that he's about to get exposed for being a bad quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I really don't think that this Dallas win was like a huge milestone win. This team's damaged. They're missing their few best players. Uh, having said that, I think the Eagles are still legit. I think that they're very good. I, I could see them losing one or two more games this year, but I think that they should be able to march their way at least to the championship game, maybe the Super Bowl, without much problems. Then the Patriots or whoever else will give them some, some tough times. Yeah, I agree with Dylan and Tim. That was not a good look for Prescott. Thrown for three picks, no touchdowns in first game of the season without Ezekiel Elliott. It validated his game manager persona. The Eagles will continue to win. They're legit. They've slaughtered the bad teams and beaten some good teams. Carson Wentz is my MVP. The Cowboys will not make the playoffs. Cowboys aren't making the playoffs. Dak Prescott is much better than a game manager. Um, but the Eagles' offense, the least excuse, yeah, the least points they've scored this season is 26. The offense is for real. The defense is for real. The special teams is for real. Who? They're right, just, special teams. They're a All built, right, they're a chill, built chill, team. Chill. All right, they're a built team. Obviously, the Eagles are good, but Dallas should be embarrassed. You have your backs against the wall at home against one of your biggest rivals in against Philadelphia, and you just don't show up. 
That's on Jason Garrett. That's on Jerry Jones. That's on every single one of the players. You had a chance to prove yourselves, and you laid an egg. I understand Sean Lee and Tyron Smith is out, but injuries are not an excuse. You have a home game to prove a point, to say you're a real team in this league, and you do nothing? That's embarrassing, and Cowboys fans should be embarrassed. That defense just cannot function out there without Sean Lee. It's ridiculous. Who's calling the plays? They don't even know what's going on. They had they left Alshon Jeffrey wide open multiple times. They are a different team without Sean Lee. The guys for real. It's just it's just sad because you know I don't like Cowboys fans, but I, I like their roster. I think the guys on that team I'm I'm a big fan of guys like Witt and I like Dak Prescott, but. I don't know what it is with these guys. They, they didn't come to play this season. The rest of the year they have to play the Chargers, Redskins, uh, Raiders, Seahawks, and Eagles, all teams uh, hunting for playoff yeah. spots and trying to Cowboys prove themselves. Won't make the so no. I think that all those teams are hungrier than the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are not going to be able to make the playoffs. One thing I will say about the Eagles is they got Darby back last night, and he proved he was a legit cornerback. Um, going up against Des Bryant, he was physical, he can tackle. So I think that makes them even better now that they have – uh, Darby back. And the Bills must be kicking themselves. For and he, he, even, like even a guy like Fletcher Cox was making his way through that offensive well, line Fletcher of Dallas. Cox is Fletcher good. Cox is a Right, stud. right. Fletcher but Cox I'm saying, stud. you know, on that offensive line, Fletcher Cox is all over them. He's wow. big time, too. Yeah, I'll, I think Jason Garrett has to take some of the blame, too. I don't think it can all go on Dak Prescott. No, no, no. no. It's on uh, everybody. So moving on, the Buffalo Bills, for some reason, decided to bench Tyrod Taylor and give Nathan Peterman the start. Uh, that was, I would say, not a good move. As Peterman threw five picks in the first half, I believe. Uh, so we're expecting Tyrod to be back. Guys, why the heck would the Bills do that? I said it last week. There was no reason to bench Tyrod Taylor. Nathan Peterman proved my point. This was Sean McDermott showing his inexperience, first-year head coach. He overcoached. There was no reason to bring in a rookie quarterback who wasn't really that great a player in college. He he wasn't a great player in college. He threw five picks in the first half. Tyrod Taylor threw three picks all year. This was an awful move, and there was no reason whatsoever to make it, and Sean McDermott kind of got what he deserved. Yeah, and Sean McDermott said after the game he doesn't regret starting Nathan Peterman. He said there were some good plays he'll want back, but there were also some plays where you said, hey, that was pretty darn good. So clearly this guy... He must have been watching a different game. That we had to be. I saw that come out of his mouth. The Bills would have been better off if Nathan Peterman went under center every single snap and just spiked the ball. Yeah. They were awful. And Tyrod, another stat, uh, Tyrod Taylor's last 14 games, he's had five interceptions. Peterman in the first half at five interceptions. I, I just don't understand why you would bench Tyrod Taylor, who's been your guy the last couple of years and made you actually a good team in Buffalo. I don't get it. Also, Peterman is clearly not a an NFL quarterback. He made some poor decisions. He's clearly not ready yet. Clearly not ready. I don't understand it. I'll tell you why he benched him. And I don't agree with it at all, but I'm going to tell you why. Tyrod Taylor is an average quarterback. He's a starting quarterback, but he's average. And I think the Bills thought, we're not not going anywhere in the playoffs if we make it. Um, But I I think that they need to still play Tyrod Taylor. The guy has had a decent season, but he's just a decent quarterback. So they, they say, okay, well, what do we have out of this rookie guy? Let's see. And you have absolutely nothing. You have a guy that shouldn't be on the field. Shouldn't be in the locker room. He should be on a bus to 
your local job lot um, working at the cash registers because he can't play. I see. I guess that would be the reason they they started. Uh, they gave him a chance, but it's. There's uncalled no, there's for. There's no valid reason. In defense of this decision, one week before, the Bills lost to the Saints 47-10. to In that game, Tyrod Taylor throws for 50% completion percentage, throws one interception, throws for 56 yards. Yeah, he's, he's not that good. Peter, Peterman comes in, throws 7 of 10, 80 yards, and a touchdown. He got their only touchdown of the game, and the way Taylor played was embarrassing, and I think they wanted a, a little bit of a culture change. This this was a money move. Last year they were trying, you know, they tried to give EJ Manuel starts. I think Tyrod Taylor next season is due like a six million dollar roster bonus. They were trying to find another quarterback so they didn't have to pay Tyrod Taylor. That worked out really well for Sean McDermott and the Bills. Yeah, I, I'm still questioning why why you would. Bench and the, the Tyrod fact that Taylor. Sean McDermott said in his post game press conference, "I'm going to evaluate who starts next week at quarterback," is just stupid. The guy threw five picks. Put him out of his misery. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's, uh, it's it's ridiculous. All right, wrapping up, guys. We got um, we got to look at our our picks that we made um last week. Uh, it was we had a ton of games going and over to start. I believe it was. Let's see. Dylan had a had a pretty good week with a three and or wait yeah three and one record still waiting on the uh, Falcons Seahawks game three and one record only loss there was to the Rams uh, when he picked the Rams over the Vikings good start for him uh, moving over to Tim Tim took he pretty much went on yeah Tim went undefeated in this week so Tim's uh, recovering after that uh, Cowboys by a billion. Performance. Still does it. Throw it in there every week. Yeah, I have to, I have to throw it um, in there every week. Uh, Tyler Tyler had a solid. Actually, he uh, yeah he had a pretty good week. Only loss coming to the Titans. Uh, when I don't know why he, he picked the Titans, Titans. Just didn't show up. Titans in that game. And Heilman. Um, I'm not sure how you how you did. I went three and one, but the only one was the uh, the Raiders. I picked the Raiders. How, picked Heilman the Raiders picked not a good yeah, I, I went one and three. That's yeah, a terrible. Manaki had a horrible week. Heilman tried to pick the Jets even though they were on a bye. Yeah, yeah. that that was his best they won, way. Though. Best way to pick pick the Jets is to pick whoever's. They always win the, the bye Patriots. Week. So this week we got two games. Broncos, Raiders, two teams really struggling lately, um, and then Rams, Saints. So, guys, give me your picks on that. Broncos have lost their last six. Uh, they're zero and four on the road this week, and this is in or zero and four on the road this season, and this is in Oakland. I'm saying the Broncos lose to the Raiders. This game is going to be awful. Two really, really bad teams, but the Broncos are definitely the worst team. The Raiders are going to win, but if you have to watch this game, I do feel bad for you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to give this one to the Raiders. I watched the Raiders almost lose to the Dolphins two weeks ago, and that says a lot on how the Raiders season is going, that they can almost lose to a, t- a franchise as pathetic as that one. Uh, but the Broncos losing that many games in a row. Have Broncos faith, Dylan. Have faith. are not losing to the Raiders. I mean, there are the, the Broncos are losing to the Raiders. Raiders, I'm picking. Yeah, I'm going to go with Raiders. Um, Brock Osweiler is just – he's – my fa- he's my favorite joke in the NFL. Yeah, he's Brock Osweiler. Yeah. Um, the guy throws like someone's shooting him in the arm with an AK-47 every time that arm moves. <laughs> it would have been um, so much harsh. better to see Brock on the Browns. That would have been a disaster. Yeah, uh, no, this is an easy one. Raiders, um, 
I don't know who's watching this game. I'm I'm surely not. That's for sure. But yeah, Raiders. Anytime, Bro- I'm gonna keep repeating this. Anytime Brock Osweiler is your quarterback, I'm not giving you a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, it was a divisional matchup, so why not? Yeah. Why not? All right. Uh, this should be an exciting one, those fellows. Rams Saints. Rams just took an L to the Vikings, who are clearly very good. Um, and the Saints also had a great comeback against the Redskins. Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram are balling. Who do you got in this game, Rams Saints? Uh, the Saints, like you said, they had a great comeback win. However, uh, they very nearly lost to the uh, Washington Redskins. That is not a good look. Uh, but then again, the Rams, they are 7-3, and three, and um, they just can't, are coming off a loss as well, so they might they might still be a little rusty. But I'm still going to go with the Saints. They're, they're hot right now. Uh, I think they've won eight in a row. Um, I don't see that slowing down, and... I'm a big home field advantage guy. Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum half full is not really a big home field advantage. Yeah, I'm going to have to take the Saints as well. Something to watch is Marshawn Lattimore. He left the game with an ankle injury, and that Saints defense was not the same. The Rams will be able to put up points if Lattimore doesn't play. But that being said, I'll take Drew Brees to outscore anybody. Yeah, I think that uh, Brees with a combination of Ingram and Kamara are much better than Goff and Gurley, and I think the, uh, the Saints are going to take this one. I'm going to have to go with the Rams here. I'm going to go with the Rams. Um, eight in a row for Drew. Awesome. Love the guy. Big fan. But it's a lot different against throwing uh, or throwing against Xavier Rhodes as opposed to Saints backfield. So, I mean, secondary. Saint, Saints secondary, excuse me. So, to me, Goff is going to have a comeback week. That Saints defense lost uh, a rookie pass rusher who was having a really good season. He was big time, and I think the Rams are going to get it. Yeah, like I said, I predicted last week that Goff would have a bad game against Minnesota. He did. I look for the Rams to have a big bounce-back game and end the Saints' eight-game winning streak. I look for Todd Gurley to have a big impact. I think Sean McVay is going to have this team ready to go. That's definitely going to be a fun matchup. All right, so now we're going to welcome in NASCAR analyst Stephen Landry. Uh, Tyler did an interview with him. Steven's going to give us his thoughts on the NASCAR series. All right, so first off, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right, so we just wanted to get your thoughts on yesterday's race and on Martin Truex Jr., his first championship. Yeah, uh, I watched the entire race yesterday. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Uh, I'd say that there's a way to describe this race. It's just it's good for NASCAR, and uh, I'll explain myself there. Um, Martin Truex Jr., uh, obviously, he races for Furniture Wheel Racing, which is a team based out of Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the first time that a uh, NASCAR team has won the championship west of the Mississippi River. So it's, uh, it's expanding upon a lot of things. It's you know, kind of bringing in a new era to the sport. And uh, Martin Truex Jr., he was the most dominant car all year. He was the most dominant driver. He won eight races, and he completely deserved to win that championship. I was a bit worried. I mean, it was, going into the race, it was between him and Kyle Busch, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really – I could see at the end I didn't know what was going to happen. It was really, really exciting racing at the end, especially when all four drivers were, were so close to the front that were in contention with the title. And um, Martin just did what he does, and he's just been the most consistent guy all year, able to hold off Kyle Busch in the end and just drive away from him. And uh, it was, again, like with his story, uh, I don't know 
how many people do know this, but uh, Martin Truex Jr., his girlfriend of a long time, has uh, been battling cancer for a couple of years now, mm-hmm. and they've had a massive journey together that has led to this point. So uh, I thought it was just an awesome day for NASCAR, really. It was just it was full. It was action-packed, good racing, and, you know, we really can't. Any questions going to be about Dale Jr.? Because I think we have to talk about it. Yep, yep, yeah, definitely. Dale Jr. in here. But as far as Martin Truex goes, I was, you know, mentioning you mentioned Furniture Row Racing and being in Denver. How does this affect NASCAR? Why is this good for NASCAR that the big mm-hmm. teams, the Hendricks, the Penske's, the Gibbs, didn't win a title? Oh, it's, it's awesome. Now, uh, obviously, Furniture Row has come a long way. And they're actually an affiliate of Gibbs this year. They use all of Gibbs chassis, all of Gibbs engines, and you know they're able to take something good but attach a different name to it. And I remember watching this team in 2011. They won their first race at the Southern 500 in Darlington, mm-hmm. and Regan Smith was the driver, and it was one of the biggest upset finishes in the history of the sport. That team six years later is now winning a championship with an A-list driver behind the wheel. So this is great for NASCAR because it encourages people to go out and try at least to get cars out there. People are going to be showing up to the track hoping that they can become the next Furniture Row Racing because as sponsors see that, when you have a huge sponsor affiliate, I mean, they, they've only had Furniture Row for a long time and they just picked up Bass Pro Shops this year. Mm-hmm. First year they picked up Bass Pro Shops and a huge sponsor that comes with Furniture Row, they win a championship. So this is going to encourage other teams to come up and step up to the plate against the Penske's, the Gibbs, Roush, and Hendrick, and Stuart Haas, all these other teams that are really controlling the center. But another thing that's going to be a, you know, pretty good for NASCAR and a huge toss-up over the offseason is that so many drivers are mixing and matching and going with different rides. Yep. It's going to be a completely different roster next season, which is going to throw everything off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about that different roster – Dale Earnhardt Jr., one of the legends of NASCAR. Yesterday was his final race. Can you talk about what he meant to NASCAR and why he'll be missed so much? Absolutely. Um, Dale Earnhardt Jr., uh, first of all, we should have to mention how much his father meant to the sport as well. Mm -hmm. It's a legacy, and it's generation after generation, starting with Ralph Earnhardt, going to Dale Sr., and now ending with Dale Jr. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt is still... um, racing currently in the number 33 Hulu car, but in the immediate family connection of Dale Sr., who won seven championships, his son is now retired. Um, I think Dale Jr. won most popular driver for the last 14 consecutive seasons. Yep. That should just tell you enough of how much he meant to this sport. He's off the track, one of the nicest guys. He's, I mean, getting cluttered with fans, and I'm really going to miss him. It was an emotional day, definitely. I, I really liked the, the way that the track handled it. I thought that they gave him a proper you know, salute and gave him, you know, a great send-off. Um, Dale will certainly be missed next year, and I know that he, you know, the good the good thing about what Dale Jr. is doing with this retirement is he's partnered with NBC next year. He's going to come back and be in the booth. He's a car owner still in the Xfinity Series. He's going to be at the track all the time. So we'll still have a lot of Dale Jr. in our life, and he's going to be running some Xfinity Series races. But and never have that, you know, pure number 88 and number 8 out there driving again with an Earnhardt behind the wheel. The sport will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Earnhardt's definitely left a lasting legacy on NASCAR. Yes. Matt Kenseth, the 2003 champion, yep. and Danica Patrick are also retiring. You know, lesser names than Earnhardt, but 
Can you talk about the changeover in NASCAR and what Danica as a woman and yep. immensely popular did for NASCAR? Mm-hmm. Danica brings a few things to the table. And, you know, uh, marketability being one of the most huge aspects of what she brings to a team. Uh, she, you know, at times was competitive. It was, you know, a shame that she has this bad luck this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's she's had good equipment. She's run good in certain races, and you can tell that she's definitely improved at a time in NASCAR. Uh, I remember going to actually see her race live, one of the first races that she ran in uh, the Xfinity Series in 2009, I think. And I remember it was, it was quite a disaster. And I can just, you know, you can just see today how far she came as a professional NASCAR driver. Um, but as a woman, like you said, she's she's paving you know the paving the way for the rest of these drivers. Mm-hmm, yep. She, you know, led she's led the most laps as a woman in, in the sport. She came the closest to winning. She had the highest place finish. I think she finished fifth at Kansas one year. Mm-hmm. So she again, she'll also be missed. And it's another part of it is not you know getting you know that's another thing I thought about yesterday was not Kansas was who's been so immense and so popular and so big in the sport and so successful over these years, was almost kind of just drowned by those two. Yep. Uh, Matt Kenseth came into, the, came into NASCAR and copped the same year as Dale Jr. Yep. Won a championship, as Jr. didn't, and won, I think, three to 2,500. He's a champion three times. Mm-hmm. He, he is an absolute – he's a great driver. Matt is a, he's definitely – a great person too, on and off the track. Um, he provided great entertainment for a long time, as the other two drivers did, and all three of them now are, uh, you know, just continuing this trend of younger and younger retirements in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. You know, as far as that goes, as far as Kenseth, Patrick, Dale Earnhardt Jr., obviously mm-hmm. no Jeff Gordon, no Tony Stewart. Does NASCAR have a star problem going forward, meaning, you know, the names we all grew up with as NASCAR are all, you know, gone, and it's going to be up to guys like Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott to take the page and right. turn the page? I think that Kyle Larson's definitely stepping into that role right now. Uh, Jimmy Johnson still being there really helps them. Mm-hmm. Kevin has like Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch being there really helps them. You know, it's, it's different because now uh, when – NASCAR hasn't done a good enough job, in my opinion, of marketing their young stars like William Byron entering the sport, Alex Bowman entering the sport, who's replacing Dale Earnhardt, and now William Byron's going to be in the 24 next year, and Chase Elliott's going to be in the 9. Mm-hmm. So you know, there are all these things, these changes that are going on, and I don't know if, you know, maybe, I don't know if average fans are even getting a taste into it. Um, I mean, thinking <laughs> Ryan Blaney, who's immensely talented and not a lot of guys know about Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ron Blaney, he, he won a race to Pocono this year and was one of the fastest guys in the track every single week. You're going to see next season, you know, this is this is what – NASCAR can't well, – they they can to a point, but they can't control when guys decide to hang up, you know, and, and they hang them up and, and say that I'm going to stop running. Mm-hmm. So teams right now, I don't know if they're trying to bring in the most marketable people, but they're trying to bring in the best possible talent they can find. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some. There has to be some sort of patience with the fans next season. Yep. Yes, it's going to be frustrating not to see Dale Jr. in the 88. Alec Al, Al, eh, Almarola is now moving over from the 43 to the 10 car where Danica was. Mm-hmm. It's going to be kind of weird seeing all this play out. You know, will Eric Jones be a contender next year in the 20 car where Matt Kenseth is left? Will Ryan Blaney be a contender next year? Will Chase Elliott finally win a race? Um, 
all these questions, and you know, you say, yeah, we're losing some star power. NASCAR is losing star power, but they still have Kyle Busch. They still have Martin Truex Jr. coming off of a championship. They still have all these drivers who are really the peak of the sport right now. Yep, definitely be up to the young guys next year mixed in with right. your veterans like Jimmy Johnson and Brad Keselowski. So finally, where does NASCAR go for he, from here? It's clear this playoff system really works. He's talked about the four drivers being in the top five. That's pretty consistent over the first couple of years of this playoff system. Mm-hmm. Where does NASCAR go from here? So NASCAR, from from what I've heard and uh, just – you know, looking back on all the races in the playoffs this year, there is sort of a divide. You know, nobody is really sure whether or not it's a great thing or it's not a great thing. I think, you know, throughout the process of the playoffs and how they've been instituted, people like the playoffs generally. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of getting the best drivers that you can into the playoffs. You know, there were drivers this year that ran really consistent and ran really well points-wise and didn't get a win, and they were actually knocked out. Guys like Clint Boyer that were left out of the playoffs. I mean, guys like Junior that were left out of the playoffs. Dale Junior wasn't even in the playoffs this year in his final season. You know, that can frustrate fans sometimes. Yep. And, you know, there are circumstances in NASCAR. I can actually, you know, think of one in last year's playoffs where Chris Buescher, who wasn't exactly a, even a – wasn't a really front-runner guy, usually a, maybe a top-25 car on a very good day. He uh, won a race – due to a pit strategy in rain. And there was a lot of controversy over that. And people claimed that they should take the win away because he only won the race because it rained and he was leading at the time and, like, they had just passed the halfway mark. And, no, he was still in the playoffs and he got knocked out. And it was like if one other driver could have been in there, maybe he could have won the race. So this, these are the problems that rise with this format that fans can get frustrated by. However, I think it does, you know, it makes everything more intense towards the end of the year. It draws attention to the final races rather than having, you know, how it used to be when Jimmy Johnson had first started his tear. He'd win the championship with like four races left. Yeah. So, you know, it's definitely doing good in that aspect. I still think there's a major problem with how long most regular season races are. Yep. I still think there's a, uh, the stage racing. I actually like it. I think that the stage racing is a step in the right direction for NASCAR, but they gotta gotta funnel everything and put it together and just short the races. Now, there's a lot of problems with that that go in sponsorship, that go in with you know people having certain camera time and things like that. These are all things that are probably going to be flushed out by the time we reach the next contract with the networks, which would be 2021. Mm-hmm. I think that you're going to see a lot more of these attempts to, you know, do exactly what fans and, you know, try to gain viewership wherever they can. Um, I'm re- I actually am really excited about the roster next year, even though, a lot of, you know, a lot, like you said, a lot of stars are leaving. But I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see guys like William Byron, Alex Tolman, uh, Daryl Wallace Jr. now on the 43. Yep. See what they can do with, the, uh, you know, the cup level and see if they can put it together and make a run. And, um yeah, I guess now, well, as 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 a you know, as most people are NASCAR fans, I've been a Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan my whole life. So at this point, I am actually going to Daytona with a fresh, clean slate. And I cannot wait to pick my new favorite driver. But um, yeah, I just I pretty much say that NASCAR just needs to work on shortening the races. Also, I make one more point before I um, I let you move on. Mm-hmm. NASCAR also has a pop culture problem. Yes. They 
lot of promos that you see, it's country music. It's it's geared towards those southern southern fans, uh-huh. right in the heart of where they are. I think if they were to change that, maybe you know, I remember um, at this year's Daytona five, this year's Daytona five hundred, they had like Gronk there that was representing Monster. Monster's done a lot of great things for NASCAR. If they keep kind of doing something like that with Gronk's there, like I think like Walker Flocker Flame was there, which yeah. is ridiculous, but. Putting these more like pop culture guys in there that are more involved in social media, are more you know uh, known countrywide at this point, that are getting more national recognition, and you can convince them that NASCAR is a fun, entertaining sport and is worth going there and is worth showing up to the track and seeing these guys battle it out. You're going to see a lot of positive changes. Yep. And finally, I'd say. Do as much as you can to embrace that you have a young sport now and market your young superstars as much as possible again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but definitely a new age in NASCAR where they yep. focus on the young guys, and we'll see how it all changes for next season and beyond. So we appreciate you coming on and offering your unique perspective on the NASCAR playoffs on Martin Truex Jr. winning his first title and all mm-hmm. things NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, take it easy. That'll do it for us, guys. Uh, good episode this week, fellas. Uh, we'll be we'll be back in a couple weeks. We're all going on Thanksgiving break, so enjoy your turkey. Eat up. See ya. Adios. Shout out to Brian Peterman.